Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlow Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from Ford Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's great. It's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bolt, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but... But we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickheads, you could say. It's just it's, they're just <laughs> there's good racing, and I enjoy it. Mm. From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. This week on Inside Supercars, we continue our interview series. We speak with Erebus V8's Adam Gardini, Kevin Fitzsimmons from Dunlop, and Gary Rogers on this week's show. That's all coming up after the break. Of course, the big news this week is that the V8 Supercars will be the headline act at the Kuala Lumpur City Grand Prix, signing a four-year heads of agreement for the championship to race around the streets of the Malaysian capital, part of James Warburton's Asian visit, which, well, we'll be talking about that more ahead of the race in Darwin on upcoming week's show. Vert Supercars will take five cars over to Kuala Lumpur for this year's inaugural event with Craig Lowndes, Scott McLaughlin, Chaz Mostert, Will Davison and Todd Kelly on the 7th through to the 9th of August. But after the break, it's Adam Gardini. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two level two the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors and the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Adam Gardini is the Corporate and Communications Manager. Corporate Communications and Brand Manager. (laughs) Corporate Communications and Brand Manager of Erebus Motorsport V8. And you come from a rugby league background. You've been in V8 Supercars now for about a year and a quarter. What have been some of the glaring differences you've seen between rugby league and V8 Supercars? Yeah, straight off the bat, I think the access in V8 Supercars is is quite different. And, you know, a lot of sports are obviously trying to maximise broadcaster rights and things like that. And, and, you know, the the NRL and the AFL are are making progress there. But that's one thing when you're you're a media manager in NRL going from that to V8 Supercars, as I've done you can see the the real difference. You know, the broadcasters have fantastic access. You know, where what other sport in the world can you basically interview a driver just before he's, um, you know, about to jump in the car? And and the same from a fan point of view, I think as well. Even the, you know, the the true colour track walks and the fan experiences, signing sessions. You know, it's sort of uh, it's quite different. You know, on game day in in you know a lot of the other team sports, it's pretty much the athletes. Uh, uh, left to their own devices, they're you know, left to get themselves ready for, from a preparation point of view. But here, you know, that that was one of the things that's a glaring um, difference. Where you know I'm getting a, a driver out of a debrief. You know, they've, they've just been going 250 k's an hour. They're in a debrief, then taking off to mingle with sponsors or fans, and so they're quite quite uh, different from that perspective. What would it be like if you said to a rugby league player after you after your morning warm up? 
I'm going to take you up the corporate box, you're going to shake 150 hands, and then 15 minutes before you run out on the field, you're going back down and rejoining your team. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it wouldn't happen. I mean, and that's not to say it won't ever happen. I mean, that's the thing that I think motorsport's obviously been good at over the years is knowing that that's a lot of the, the interest is what goes on behind the scenes and, and, um, and that access. So it's been a willingness to, um, you know give commercial sponsors and broadcasters a return for their investment and not to say that NRL or AFL haven't done that but they've done it in other ways And but I think ultimately that access thing is what everyone wants they want to know the driver and, and they so it's not to say that um, that won't happen down the track but definitely at the moment it's sort of and, and also I think that fundamentally in rugby league being a contact sport as well there is that you know not that drivers in supercars don't have to psych, psych themselves up but yeah, it's a different mentality from that point of view, putting your body on the line. And these guys obviously put their body on the line in a different way, yeah. But they're not expecting someone rushing at them full on and taking a hit. That's right. And, you know, if you've been in a dressing room or, you know, even doesn't even have to be top-level um, AFL or NRL, you know, obviously that there is that element of, you know, that psyching themselves up and it's your own time in your own head, headspace, whatever you need and, and that sort of thing. Whereas, yeah, it, it is quite amazing that supercar drivers can be talking to an, an interviewer, a report, you know, pit lane reporter one second and then, you know, expected to, to be at the top of their game the next. One other thing, I guess, is rugby league from the start of the season to the end of the season. With a couple of exceptions, you're playing, your team's playing every week. We don't have that in V8 Supercars. So how, as a media manager, do you manage the cycle? Because you would have a very structured cycle in rugby league. Yeah, and it's quite intense from that perspective for the players, the, everyone involved in the club, you know, whether you're you know, home away, you're home away, or you might have two home games in a row, and it's, it's seven days into seven often, um, and that's where... The, the grind in the middle of the year in particular or towards the end of the year if you're not involved in finals football that can really you know be a, a telling factor on everyone whether you're a player or in administration V8 Supercars is, is a little bit different in the sense that you do get that break obviously it's inconsistent sometimes there there is that gap um, the, the news point of view and the, the news cycle as you talk about is obviously a constant flow in, in NRL um, from my experience whereas obviously this one that there's only certain elements that change generally if you're lucky your drivers don't change um, so you might have a co-driver a couple of co-driver announcements but um, that's really the only additions to your lineup that will, will occur you know mm. so is it hard to get a news cycle where you can present something to the media to give your sponsors and to give your team that that run that it needs and that a run that you would expect in other sports yeah i think the when there's not you know news and uh, injury updates and this player doing that and you're just not dealing with the sheer number of athletes um you've got to give something else which in our in our case is the behind the scenes experiences and trying to take fans into you know what's involved i mean classic case in our um, you know, team was uh, Ash Walsh had one of his rookie test days uh, recently, just out at Queensland Raceway, and obviously they can be, you know, if you've done them many times, they're they're pretty stock standard, as you would know. Uh, but in order to make that interesting, we sort of did a behind the scenes piece with Ash and got got him to basically dumb it down. What's involved for for everyone, whether you're a, a full on rev head or whether you're, you're new to the sport, and you can you can get a bit of an insight into everything that goes in from the preparation and the hours and and all those sorts of things. So it's that behind the scenes access is something that. 
I think the sport is, is really working on to bring fans closer to the action. Last year at Wynton, the team had its first win. Fast forward to Perth, where Will had his first win with the team. How different is the media landscape this year to last year and demands for your drivers because of good results? Yeah, it has been a noticeable difference, particularly with probably the, the Fox you know, magazine-style shows inside supercars, your, your namesake there, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and uh, the other show as well, you know, the behind-the-scenes, the supercars life. So, um, yeah, obviously after Perth it was, it was a great problem to have, but, uh, yeah, we had to you know, reschedule a few flights. Obviously, Will was returning initially to the Gold Coast, where we're based, and then we had to reschedule for, for him to be in, uh, to go to Sydney to be on uh, Inside Supercars on, on TV. And so, you know, it's just probably added to the the, the mix that there already is, which, you know, the, as you know, the, there's a lot of, um, you know, the sort of hardcore niche shows, but it's probably added to that, and, and which is a good thing for the sport as a whole. And, and obviously, it's still a new thing that I think fans are getting their head around, but I think ultimately it can only be a good thing for the sport. What's the one thing that you were used to in rugby league that you'd like to see brought over to here? Is there is there some things that you've talked about going the other way with the access, going back to NRL potentially, but what about what's in NRL and your experiences in NRL that you've either been able to transplant it or you're working on transplanting here? Yeah, it's, it's hard. There are, you know, fundamentally you just when you've got 30-odd players in your roster, um, you know, there's 30 stories to be told. So I think, you know, it's probably more in this sport, it's, it's trying to tell stories about other people, you know, whether it's your, your truck driver and things like that. Um, there are good things that the NRL do, but, but you know, uh, it's just the differences that allow NRL to do certain things that V8 supercars don't that makes it different, yeah. Mm. Well, the noise in the background is something that Erebus is in as the Dunlop Series, and we'd better let you follow Jack LeBrock in that race. Yeah, thanks, Craig. Cheers. Adam Gardini joining us there. After the break, we talk Dunlop Tyres with Kevin Fitzsimmons. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Kevin Fitzsimmons from Dunlop is an, always an interesting and enjoyable man to chat to. I caught up with him at Winton, where we started by talking about soft tyres being the focus of how the short races could be spiced up. What does that mean to Dunlop and supplier tyres? Yeah, we've... Um We've been working pretty closely with the technical guys at V8 Supercars and everything else like that and have come up with uh, uh, an assistance package, if you like to call it that. Um, uh, the factory have been really good to us. They've uh, squeezed some extra production in. Um, because the soft tyres that were originally slated uh, for the whole season was only a very short production run, they made them all in one hit in December. 
Um, so those tyres are in my warehouse at the moment. So what I'm able to do is actually pull tyres out of future events and uh, bring them back into use earlier than was originally planned and then replace those tyres. So um, it's worked out really well for everybody, actually. So um, that's where we'll come. And then um, we've got a, a major production run in, in July that we can uh, add to. Um, they've been kind to us and yeah, give us a few bit more uh, space there and, uh, and that'll uh, yeah, give us the extra hard tyres that we need. So it actually worked out pretty good. So basically the Commission had to make the decision this week because your production run would not allow them for them to have an outcome that they might have wanted. Yeah, well, it's just that type of thing. We just needed, needed answers pretty quick. And um, like most manufacturing uh, plants, their capacity, when they're at full capacity and everything else like that, it's very, very hard to, to get additional things. So we were very, very lucky that they were able to find space for us. Uh, and the timing's just right. Um, the mile 24-hour race... Uh, in June and everything else like that so a lot of things uh, are finished by that time big massive runs in, at this time of year and uh, yeah there was a little bit of space just after it that we were able to uh, to tap onto and uh, they'll knock a few out for us and put them on a boat and send them over. Now Friday practice it seems like uh, an extra set of tyres which you're in the business of selling tyres so you're not complaining about an extra set of tyres going out considering the drastic cuts that have been made in tyre budgets over the or in tyre allocations over the last few years but it does seem like this was driven by the media and perhaps more particularly television coverage of Fridays. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's very, very important that the that the fact that all the practice sessions and everything are, um, are being televised live now on Foxtel. Um, we need to have cars on track and... Uh, uh, it just gets to the stage where you just it's like a broken record. You just keep hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. But you know, the, the fact of the matter is the team owners voted on it. Um, it was their decision. Um, I guess we could always ask the guys to salary sacrifice, hey, we'll give you a new set of tyres and that, but your drivers pay for them or the engineers pay for them. Things might change a little bit then, you know. But uh, but no, it was a, it's, a, it's a fact of the matter. It's a, a sign of the times and everything. Everyone's got to tighten the... The, uh, the, the budget's up a bit sort of thing so um, you know I mean yes it wasn't ideal to reduce the numbers and everything but the fact of the matter is it's not a money making exercise for us so um, we don't make money on the tyres, the actual sales itself so it doesn't really make a great deal of difference to me um, but uh, from a spectacle point of view and you've got people paying to come through the gate it's important to have the cars out there and putting on a show. I was interested you've been around the sport for a long long time and I was interested that they decided to go with the tyres in these financially tough times and just didn't move one of their 40,000 qualifying sessions to a Friday to give the journalists a story to write. Yeah, well, I guess that was an option. Um, so uh, the, you know, they would have thought long and hard and about how things work, and I know there's uh, contracts in place that uh, say that we're going to have this many races and this many, your venue and things, so there's lots of other things in the background that people don't know about that um, come into play with these type of things, I guess. Um, not my department, so I don't get involved <laughs> in them, of course, but, um, you know, as I said, we, we worked really, really hard with... with um, Dave Stewart, he's done a fantastic job of, of um, just keeping the communication lines open and uh, it's working really, really well at the moment. We've got a, got a couple other things in the pipeline that we're going to start work on soon, hopefully, and, and um, yeah, just, just, um, yeah, just get the show back to where it was. You know, that's what we all want. Has it made a huge difference having a dedicated technical director? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's that type of thing. I mean, we, we had very good communication before, but it was um, different different departments for different things and bits and pieces. But um, the fact that Dave's come from a, a recent environment of a race team, he, he gets it, he understands it. 
um, and that's very, very important for some of the decisions that are being made. It needs to have a, uh, a team, perhaps not necessarily a common sense approach, but um, a team approach to it, how things can physically work and how you can and can't do things and why things have to happen this way and that type of scenario. So, yeah, it's, it's been very, very good. It's, it's working quite well. Um, I've always got along with, with Dave quite well sort of thing, so that, uh, that helps and just, um, you know, just get on and get the job done, as I said, get back to where we were and... Uh, um, and get the, the racing back uh, to, to where it used to be as far as uh, the entertainment value that we know it all can be. And Friday practice, a new set of tyres given back at the end of the day. Did every team take the option of taking that set of tyres and practising? Yes, yeah, everybody, everybody used them. Uh, also, they didn't use them. One team returned a new set. Um, uh, so, uh, But they those tyres now roll over to whether it be Darwin or Townsville or whatever. It will help them then have... When we go to, say, for example, um, the next event at Darwin, uh, they get another new set there, but they've got this set that they may have only done three, four or five laps on. So it really helps you get a much better benchmark on the Friday um, as far as um, you're setting your car up and everything instead of trying to set the car up on a set of tyres that have done you know 30 40 laps at a racetrack and stuff like that and well and truly used you know and um it's not ideal we're the only category in the world that sort of set their cars up on used tyres as as such so um yeah that's something we can look at for the future maybe but um it i think the plan will work good it worked really really well a couple of years ago when we did it this way and it's just um it gives everyone a bit more of a benchmark very difficult yesterday because we had a few guys that have had recent issues on soft tyres and were able to, to run them mix it up a bit and everything but it still gives everyone a bit of a handle on how their car's going to be when they put new tyres on for qualifying because in 10 minutes you don't get times to mess around. Now the tyres that get handed back from practice, they have to become a race set at some point during the year or no, they can only no, they, ever be used as a practice set? No, they'll only be practice tyres from here on in. Um, so yeah, they'll be there... Um, what they call P1, practice one tyres for uh, for Darwin, and they'll get another set for their uh, for their second practice session of hard tyres. So, um, yeah, that will just give them a better quality of getting a, get their car in the ballpark, which is what we what we need. You know. Now, some years ago, we talked about the fact that there was an opportunity for Dunlop and Goodyear to be seen on the cars. Is there any movement for going forward that you might have uh, the same tyre but branded to suit? a different market yeah well it's not necessarily common knowledge but Goodyear in the USA actually own us here um, so uh, tricks people when I give them my email address and it's uh, it's a Goodyear email address that sort of confuses people but um, yeah I look at this stage uh, the the racing brand here in Europe and uh, and that is is based around the, the, the Dunlop product in the USA it's based wholly solely around the Goodyear product um, so but never say never but at this stage I, I can't see it happening in the immediate future um, we go to tender 2017 for the 2018 to 22 contract, um, and uh, yeah, you just sort of never know what will be. We know we're going to face some pretty stiff competition when that comes. A lot of people desperately want to be involved in this category, um, so we'll uh, we'll go through and uh, and just you know, cross that bridge when we come to it. But at this stage, um, with the tyres being made in Japan and everything else like that, I believe it'll still be uh, under the Dunlop banner. And of course, uh, now that we are at the bigger tyre, is that allowing more players into the market as in tooling sizes are available or these are still a completely separately tooled tyre? No, this tyre is still unique uh, to us. Um, it's you know, the, 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 going to be a steer tyre, drive tyre combination sort of thing. It is a very narrow tyre for, um, uh, 
for the size and the weight and the horsepower of the cars and everything. As we know, they don't have a lot of aerodynamic assistance sort of deal, but um, it is a unique size. Um, a lot of team people have got similar sizes. Some have got the same size, but, um, yeah, it's it's a unique thing. But um, for the volumes you'd be churning out sort of thing, you know, the, the, the realms are 10,000 tyres a year with the Dunlop Series next year going over to the 18-inch tyre and stuff like that. We'll be back up around those numbers. Um, it's still a worthwhile contract to have. So for that sort of volume, you'd certainly look at it. Well, thanks as always for your time. Yeah, no problems. Cheers. My thanks to Kev. After the break, Gary Rogers gives us his own view of what was going on over that Winton weekend. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And And you're you're listening listening to Inside Supercars. Gary Rogers, a lot of talk, um, particularly in media circles, about uh, tyres and also the Saturday racing format. You've been through a lot of different racing formats in your time. Does the format matter or is it just the way people go about their racing need to change? I think the issue that you have with our category is because the cars are so equal uh, and certain tracks just don't offer the passing opportunities that get the punters excited. I mean, these these races, to be quite frank, are very boring. And... um, if you could just spice them up a little bit. There's just no big change needed here. It doesn't need to be a big deal. Uh, just a few things that will make opportunities. Probably involve the teams a bit more, make people think a bit more about how they go about getting into the race rather than just being prepared to finish the race, get ready for Sunday's races. Like, this is not a huge event, but I think a little bit would mean a lot. Would changing tyres or changing rules be the pain cure? Um, I don't think you can change the rules as the rule book uh, just midway through a season unless there's something uh, pretty dramatic going on. But I think you could spice the racing up, make the racing a little bit more competitive by utilising what I said, teams to use, but perhaps introduce a, a variation to the tyre rule so as that there was a, an opportunity to teams to maybe choose to use a different tyre a bit left of field, you know, maybe think, shit, I can get a bit better gain out of this, it might backfire and they mightn't but I think that would, in itself um, make it a bit more interesting and, and just bring the teams more into play. I think what's happened, you've got to go back in time. Initially when the pit stops were in the races way back, no one could do a pit stop in under t- 10 or 12 seconds. Today the teams can do them in 5 or 6 seconds. No one drops any wheel nuts anymore. Everyone's very good at what they do. Now people would say, well, that's great, we've become professional. Well, we have, but we're, we've got to be professional entertainers, not professional um, follow-the-leader people. So I think that the, the variables that used to happen that created excitement are perhaps not there. 
Uh, and I think just a couple of little things could make it a, a lot better because when it's all said and done, it's the people sitting on the hill there that are the important part of this. We can all go home and, you know, if we all run our businesses properly, we'll have a job the next day. But those people won't come and watch things that are boring. Is the bigger picture problem that Australian motor racing teams, cars, drivers are all at the, the cutting edge worldwide, internationally? Unfortunately... The tracks we're going on are street tracks, which are by their own nature very tight. Or, unfortunately, the tracks that were designed when you were starting your racing career and they haven't changed much since then. But the cars have got bigger and, of course, the gaps between the first and last car have got smaller. No, I don't think so. I think that some of our best racing, even with our current cars, has been on these tighter, more old-fashioned tracks. Now, sure... It would perhaps be a little bit better if they were wider and if the pit lanes were wider, but the fact is they're not, and they're, what, they're the tracks we've got to deal with. But I don't think that that's the whole issue. I think that the, the point you make, that the teams are very professional. No-one does anything wrong, and if they did a few things wrong, uh, then it might make it a bit more exciting. What was your feeling when you saw the HRT car go out on the wet weather tyres yesterday? Not illegal, but is it in the spirit of the game? I think it was probably reasonable tactics for the team to do what they did. They were trying to score... Uh, I mean, we're, we're talking purely about the wet weather part, not the incident, are we? No, no, no. We're talking okay, about the well, okay, well, the fact is that they were uh, trying to achieve every single point in the championship that they could. Um, so... You know, we can all say, well, it's not in the spirit. The spirit for them is to win the championship. So they did what they considered was best. Mm. Is, it a, is it a problem, though, an inherent problem, that you have teams now making decisions that in a race they're not going to run their car at their merit, they're going to just circulate? I don't think that's one of those examples. I mean, the car was way out of it anyway, so it wasn't going to win. Uh, but I think your point's uh, a good one. I think there are other areas where people do, or teams do do that to try and conserve up for the major bonus of the big points and to have their cars at the optimum for that. Well, a little bit of that's OK as well, but it's a little bit out of hand. And I think if, if the racing in these lead-up races um, just adds a bit more someone didn't finish here or didn't finish there rather than that processional, you qualify here, you finish there, I think that will pretty well look after itself points at every race or for every race there's been you know there's been so many changes over the years for reasons at the time which seemed very logical but if we go back to perhaps when you're at Thunderdome where you might have had two qualifying races and then the feature race and your two qualifying races said where you were going to start for your feature race is that a better model of racing than what we're seeing now or, or that you've seen in the past? Right now I'm seeing a wonderful pair of legs and at the moment I'm having trouble really concentrating on what you're talking to me about. <laughs> yeah, can you, can, you, can you repeat that question? Um, no, back to... No, look, I think... Look, you've got to be prepared to have some changes and go along with them. That was a time then, but you just can't chop and change the rules, but you can chop and change... Look, the, the final bit, you can have the best springs, the best shocks, <laughs> the best legs, <laughs> and still not get the thing to work. The, the final dis- 
part is the tyres. And I think if we could just get that, I don't think we'd be having this discussion because it would look after itself. Mm. So would you be for soft set of tyres and you can run them in either of the two um, short Saturday races? Is that the easy fix? I don't think you need the easy fix. You need the permanent fix. Um, but I think you've got to involve the team decisions a little bit more um, so as it's a bit of a risk-taking thing. And I think, as I say, I do believe certain teams... Look, you'll make the call on one day and it'll all be wrong, but really this is not about one day. This is about a whole series of races every year that just need to get the punters more excited to want to watch it. Mm. Gary, always a pleasure to speak to you and uh, look forward to uh, seeing more of those legs in the future. Yeah, me too, I'm not moving. (laughs) My thanks to Gary Rogers. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Supercars. Until next time around, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.